You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're you're tuned in to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. There's football in just a a few, a few, but many hours. But it feels like it's coming. You know, it's it's less than two days away from recording. Probably, maybe even less than a day of recording. Whenever somebody's listening to this, but uh, just so pumped that there's actually gonna be football Thursday night. And you know, as much grief as we give Thursday night football in the NFL, it does seem like they always pick an awesome matchup for Week One's Thursday night. And I think obviously that's on purpose to get people to watch. But man, I would watch like. Jags Texans <laughs> if that's what they wanted to get out of the way I'd be like oh sweet the NFL's back but then they give us uh Bills Rams and that is way more exciting no I'm all in for this game and it's fun because we record on Tuesday then we'll, we'll record again on Thursday and it'll be like an hour before kickoff so I'm gonna be all football mode on Thursday but we got that week over with I feel like the dead period after preseason as you're waiting for regular season about a two-week period Bengals get back to camp. Or get back to camp. I'm so used to them going to training camp. Get back to practice tomorrow after an off day on Tuesday. We'll be from Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor tomorrow. We'll recap all of that on Thursday show. But you know, it's big in the NFL because the captains were named. And the reason I say that is, I feel like we're seeing that more this year. Obviously, in Cincinnati, it's a big deal. Everybody pays attention to it. But all of the NFL teams, that special social media announcement, the countdown, it just it's a big deal now. You get the offensive side, Joe Burrow, no surprise. Joe Mixon, no real surprise. Ted Karras, personally, I think that a little bit of a surprise, but in a good way. You think of Joe Burrow's offensive line and some of the free agents that they were able to sign. And when your center is named the captain by the players, I think that's a big deal. You go to the defensive side, DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard, Von Bell. Not surprising, but the DJ Reader thing, and I want to get this correct. This might be the first time that he was named a captain, which is insane to me because you think of that guy as a big piece of leadership and special teams, Michael Thomas. I know a lot of people were confused because they get the Michael Thomas receiver. You got the safety, but he brings a lot to the special teams room. A lot of people call him Uncle Michael Thomas, Uncle Mike. What did you think about the captain's name, offense, defense, and special teams? Yeah, the offense one is the one that's surprising because if you just ask me who are the three offensive captains? And I'd probably say Burrow, Mixon, and Boyd, right? And then uh, because he's been there so long and a focal part of the uh, the offense for so long. But it does make sense to get an offensive lineman in there. You know, they've got some uh, higher quality guys now than they 
in the past couple of years. And Karras is a veteran who's coming from Super Bowl champion pedigree. And it seems like everybody flocks to him and just he seems like the leader. I've heard stories about how he has all the guys over. He's building chemistry with his linemen. He's doing all this. So I get it. I, I understand. And it, I'm not shocked, I guess, but I am kind of surprised. I guess I'm not surprised with uh, with Reader just because I love the guy. <laughs> Hubbard's been a captain for a few years, and um, I can't remember if Bell has or not. I guess I was surprised in that um, Logan Wilson wasn't named a captain because you think of the Mike linebacker as the captain of the defense, and then the actual captains on the Bengals' defense are two D linemen and a, <laughs> and a safety. And then uh, special teams, I guess – I guess you don't go Huber this year because he was in a position battle. <laughs> he was fighting for his job. So maybe they're looking on to somebody else, but Mike Thomas is a great pick. He, he does seem to be a veteran leader in the locker room. Most of these guys, did you seem like the veteran leader types in different ways? Karras and that he just gives me like warm <laughs> dad of the offensive line vibes, even though I'm not even sure if he's the oldest member. And then uh <clears throat> reader seems like, when I think of the Bengals defense, I think of Reader as the the leader and the hot take of the star. I think he's the best player on the defense. Just what he brings, just as a nose tackle and what he does for that defense. So I get it. Although I am also a big guy enthusiast, so I'm not sure everybody else sees it that way. There's probably plenty of people listening that are thinking like, "I've got Chidobe Awuzie over Reader, Mike Hilton, Von Bell, Jesse Bates," and I'm just like, "No, that'd be my one captain if I had to pick one." <laughs> no, and and the thing is, a lot of people I agree with you. The Tyler Boyd uh, named a captain. I was a little surprised, but. Here's the thing. The players vote. They have a certain number of spots. He's still a leader in the locker room when you think of those wide receivers. I think back to, goodness, I want to say 2017, 2018, and just Tyler Boyd, what he did with some of the practice squad wide receivers, younger guys out there, he really just peps them up. He's he's like their biggest fan out there. And I think just having him on this squad, I hope they have team-friendly deals the rest of Tyler Boyd's career because I want him to stay in Cincinnati. Obviously, it's going to get difficult in the long run, but he brings a lot to the wide receiver room. But even on the defensive side with DJ Reader, he said during pre-agency in 2020 that the big reason why he came here was because of Joe Burrow and just the way that this offense and defense, everybody gets along. I think Mike Hilton would be one that I would think – would be a guy who could be be named a captain. But again, they just have so many guys, which is a good problem to have offensively and defensively. It would be hard to vote in the captain room on, on who you would decide. Von Bell, I'm, I'll say it right now. I, I've said it already, and I, I felt this way on social media. I think he's going to be a guy that does get extended. I don't think it's going to be a crazy contract or anything like that because they're more than likely going to be moving on from Jesse Bates after this year. And I still think he brings that veteran leadership. And one of the things that this team does, and probably not a good thing to say after I say the Jesse Bates situation, that they're probably not going to get that worked out after this year. But I think they'll find some way to bring this guy back after next year. And he's just going to be another vet leader still semi-young in the secondary for this team. And, I mean, you really couldn't go wrong with, with any of the seven guys that were voted cap. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But we'll go on to the quarterback. We'll hear from Joe Burrow tomorrow. Again, Zach Taylor. It's Wednesday, media press conference day. But there was a really good piece. And anytime you see a piece out on Sports Illustrated, The Ringer, there were several pieces on Joe Burrow actually this offseason. But Albert Breer had one out. And I think a lot just really stands out from last season, even his rookie year before the injury. Joe Burrow, what he brings to the team. You go back to a little bit of last year, and I think of a lot of games personally. And for me, I think one of my favorite Joe Burrow games was in a loss. The 49ers? 49ers, fourth quarter. (laughs) That dude was on another level, what he was doing. His connection with Jamar Chase, he could have closed his eyes the way that it was going. There's one thing, and I'm not big on pile on Zach Taylor or anything like that, but if there's one thing that I could change, one thing Zach Taylor would have probably changed, not counting the Super Bowl, would be you got to let Joe cook there. He was on another level and nobody was stopping them. And it's crazy to think about that 49ers game because it was special teams issues. They should have won the game, but at the same time, I'll never forget that fourth quarter, but you hear the offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan talk. And I know Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow have a really close relationship with Zach Taylor calling the plays. Brian Callahan Callahan is a big part of that too. But he said, you know, his command last year really grew. And that was a fun part of the game. You go back to the divisional game against the Titans. And I think everybody remembers this when his headset went out and he just remembered the early formation and was able to get the job done, go for a first down. And Zach was just impressed with that, but not really surprised. You go to Jacksonville last year when Joe was mic'd up, the perfect time to be mic'd up because that game was just wild in the first half. And Joe's like, all right, let me just take over. And it was just like a story. Joe takes over in the second half, and and they obviously come back to win the last second win. But when you watch Joe Burrow last year, or even a little bit of his early on of his rookie year, what really stands out about him that makes him a different quarterback? God, the first thing is something that I think a lot of quarterbacks might have, but I'm not sure everybody has it as much as Burrow, and that's just the toughness of – when I think of that Titans game and you've taken nine sacks and probably like 15 hits, I didn't count them, but just hang in there and they, they get two man and he knows that chase is on a corner and he's against Norris Jenkins and all Jenkins got him a couple times. He knows chase is going to get him this time. He, he, he knows that on this uh, corner route, basically the safety is not going to have time to get over to him, even if he's in a half and the uh, corner is inside leverage. So once he gets him to sell that inside portion of that, he's going to break off and have plenty of separation. He actually does a great job against the Steelers in the game too, that because I was rewatching those for the preview, but uh, it's kind of eerie similar, but it, anyway, he just knows. And the thing with the corner is just, it's going to be more of a five-step concept than one of those quick three-step go balls or quick game. So to be able to take like 15 hits, nine sacks, and then to still just hang strong in the pocket a year after tearing your ACL and to fire that ball out there to chase on that corner was just perfectly placed, set him up for the field goal. Everything about that was just awesome. I mean, it's, it's the clutch factor, accuracy, 
processing to know and just trusting his guys. Like not every quarterback trusts their guys to make plays like that. So that's, that's kind of the first thing I think of, I guess the second thing is um, just, he's the, that chiefs game more. So the playoff game, I think of once again, just like a clutch drive at the end. But what I want to think of is his escapability in the pocket where it felt like Chris Jones and, Melvin Ingram and all those guys had him dead to rights. Like seven, it should have been another nine sack game from that, the offensive lines performance. Like it was that bad. And then uh, he's just, that wasn't the nameplate. So I guess it's both games. So he escapes one game, losing his nameplate <laughs> from what should be a sack and escape that Tyron Matthew, that juke. Maybe the first game was better, but the second game was awesome too, from him just escaping the pocket when he needs to when everything collapses around him he could still make a play and i think that's something that really gets underrated with him because you have all of the um i don't know statistics type guys seem to think like sacks are a quarterback stat burrow's taking all these sacks he must have bad pocket presence it's not that he's just a big game hunter and rather than taking the check down he'd rather try to escape make the big play at least that's what i see early on maybe just because he didn't feel comfortable but late in the season and playoffs he took those nine sacks and everything else it's, it's more so like he wants to make a play and he, it doesn't always work out but when it does it's magic it's awesome creates explosive plays everything you want so you just kind of take the good with the bad but that Chiefs game is just, man, he escaped so many sacks. He escaped so many sacks. I, the one I actually do think of, I think this is from the playoff game. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Chris Jones has him, and then he escapes. And then Chris Jones swipes at his feet as he's still escaping. And he just, like, lifts both feet up out of the way and runs for a first down. Yes. I think that was the Chiefs playoff game. But, yeah, those are the two qualities. And that's all without saying that he's has a case for the most accurate quarterback in the league. I have a confession because the AFC championship game, I was just way too nervous to watch. And I watched the whole first half and I thought they're going to lose by 30 points. What an embarrassment. Obviously, you know, it was a fun ride until now. And then of course the second half was, was a movie. I didn't watch the second half of the AFC championship game. And probably, I probably watched it two months ago. I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. I went upstairs into a room that didn't have a TV and I was following along on the ESPN app where the football goes and it shows you like the field. <laughs> I couldn't watch it physically, but my whole family's downstairs watching the AFC championship game. I can hear them reacting and I know if it's good or bad. And I like, no way this team is coming back. And I went down the very, very end with just a, a minute or so to go in regulation when I thought Sam Hubbard was going to end the game when he almost gets the ball, but then they have to go to overtime. So I watched overtime, but I never watched the second half. When I rewatched that game, you bring up Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow. I mean, of course, Joe Burrow helps them win the game. We talk about the defense in the second half and regular season and in the postseason game against the Chiefs. But Joe Burrow running for that first down changed the game. And we don't talk enough about what he did in that game because there were so many different things. I mean, they throw the two-point conversion to Trent Taylor. Jamar Chase, when he's mic'd up, and Joe's like, well, we're going to go for two when we score him. I mean, just unbelievable offensively, defensively, what they were able to do against the Chiefs on the road. But I want to go to his weapon, Jamar Chase. And then you get Jamar Chase in year two. When you think about some of the connections, touchdown passes that they had together, and we can even take the Chiefs game out of it because there are a lot of highlights there. What stands out about that connection? with the two of them oh yeah when uh, when you started saying that i thought that chief's play where he throws and jamar still turned the other direction after escaping the pocket but uh other than that really it's 
how much trust he has in him almost too much at times because there was one play against the Rams. He probably shouldn't have thrown it to him on fourth down, but it's okay. <laughs> um, just the trust he has in him and his ability to read leverage and know exactly where to put the ball with Jamar. And I mean, their best route is that go with a back shoulder fade uh, option on it. And Burrow just reads like if he's even or beyond the corner, I'm tossing this deep and he's very accurate with the deep ball. So it works. And then, but if that corner is like bailing out of their hard and trying to stay on top of this, I can hit him back shoulder because of his body control and his ability. So just the ability to read leverage on that play, throw it back shoulder when he needs to throw it beyond and lead him when he needs to. Yeah. When I think of the connection, I just think of it's so unguardable on these like, one-on-one go ball type situations because even if you're in good position he just throws it back shoulder and jamar chase has such good tracking and body control the like because when you track the ball so well that you know when exactly when it's coming you can be really late with your eyes and your hands so when the corner is watching you and then what they're keying is when do when do his eyes and hands match up he's going for that ball but what jamar chase does so well is he sees the ball he knows exactly where it's going and he can both set up the corner and then also just so late like right as the ball like inches away put his hands up real quick bring it down or turn his body completely get his feet down and go out of bounds just that's the connection i think of between those two is just that go ball and how it's unguardable and i think that's a big reason why they face they may face a lot more like two high shells this year is just because they want to get a safety over the top in the corner underneath of that because they have to take that away. But when they're when the defense is single high, it's just unstoppable with Chase, and we saw that all of last year. I think we could dedicate a whole episode of the podcast to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and it's going to be fun to watch again year two with, with each other in the NFL. But we got to get to Bengals and Steelers. A quick little early thoughts preview next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.